This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to Jcast. I'm Jeff Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. We've done all our complaining off the air. <laughs> Just get it out of the way before yep, the recording we starts all. today. Yep, we got it all out of our system. A good, good 10 minutes of... Just how much and what we hate in life. And it has nothing to do with a virus, oddly enough. <laughs> it's, it's all the things that go along with it. Um, I hope everyone is safe. I hope everyone is well. And, uh, I, I don't care, personally. No. You don't really care at this point. <laughs> I've got yeah. no interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every man for himself right. at this point, Yeah, right? my life yeah, solely well. exists within the confines of this little hotel apartment. Anything beyond that is fake. Mm-hmm. It does feel like it, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, look. We do a show. We do a show about us, and that's about what the show has become. Well, it's always really been that way, hasn't it? You know, that that part hasn't really changed, where it's uh, all about us. But, yeah, I know, we just spent a good 15 minutes getting it out of our system of all the things we don't like. And it was a long list. <laughs> but it was, all, it was all the same theme, I think, right? Yeah, in the more words of Alan Partridge, who's a British uh, comedy character, I just hate the general public. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I really do. I really do. This, if, if anything, you know how like you hear, oh, the, the the resolve and the will. We'll get through these challenging times. I don't. I don't care anymore. <laughs> you know. You know. Stop. Yeah. This 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 pandemic has uh, really opened my eyes to some of the um, the lesser qualities of human life, <laughs> um, and and uh, there are there are some people out there that are just boy, it scratches your head how they get up in the morning. It really, what are we talking about? You no, know, I, I'm with what, you. Like one of my favorite books is Gulliver's Travels, and you know when he goes to Brobdingnag and where all the people are massive and he's tiny, and then he start he mm-hmm. when he gets up close to the people and he starts to notice, you know, the disgusting little imperfections in their skin, and you know it's like a, a an allegory for how you know when you really look at humanity up close and you start to scrutinize the way that people behave, it just is absolutely sickening. So that's what's happened here, isn't it? It's just shining a light into all the sort of dirty cracks and crevices and really exposing us for the fucking scum that we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll go so far as to say that, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but my point is, is let's not talk about it. (laughs) Let's not, just not text me and talk about it. That's my point. Just don't, don't text really me or talk to me. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, just leave, that's, just leave me alone. that's a good. That's a, yeah, just leave me alone. Just honestly, let's just leave me alone. I'm I'm fine. 
Um, what have you been doing with yourself? Any anything new? Anything interesting? Filling the hours? Deleting texts. <laughs> Not reading them. <laughs> um, ah, what have I been doing? I have. Uh, I bought. You know, you know what I did? I bought. Um, are you familiar with the pro wrestling booking simulator TEW? Yeah, lots of people are talking about that these days. I've never played it myself. Uh, I won't because that would just sort of open Pandora's box for me. I'd probably get addicted to it. But yeah, talk to us. What are your booking plans for TEW? Well, uh, I had I, <clears throat> I had purchased it before, and then I got frustrated with it because it is on a um, it's a Windows only application. Yeah, it's 2020, and it's a Windows only application. Um. I have one laptop that I fucking hate on Windows. I just hate the thing. I just hate moving around in it, and I just ugh. probably because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in it. Because I'm, um, I would say for ten years I've been on nothing but a Mac. Um. Anyway, anyway, anywho, anyway, um, I decided when I got this, I I just wanted something to do, right? Kill some time. I decided to pick up. Uh, I was going to do Ring of Honor. I was going to. I was going to take Ring of Honor modern day and make it great again, as 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 a slogan would go. Um, I'm not doing well. <laughs> I'm about two hundred thousand dollars in the red. <laughs> and, uh, well, what were some I'm of your big ideas? What, my... what were you thinking? I'm going to do right. this to turn the fortunes of this company around well i didn't really have a a great concept on the financials of the game so it was my understanding that if i signed somebody um and didn't use them on a show they weren't getting paid but lo and behold that everybody on my roster no matter if i paid them or, or or if they were on the show or weren't on the show were getting paid um, so that was a nice little. <laughs> you got Brock Lesnar sitting on the shelf <laughs> with his annual contract. <laughs> no, no, it was not that bad. I used all my top talent, but but I used them. That's for sure. Um, so that's number one. Number two, the idea of running shows. So I would I would have a daily or a weekly TV show, an hour that I would book, and then uh, one big show a month. Right. So. Fine, no problem. But I was running TV tapings live every week, and the production costs of that were tremendous. So I had to. I found out. Oh, I can book three shows. You know, book a venue, pay the production costs once, um, is, instead of doing you know and taping three shows instead of doing live show, live show, live show, and and taking on the costs of those three shows every time. Right, so you book three shows, and it made my life a little bit easier too, because I just book three shows, and then away we go. And I was done for like a month leading up to my my big show. So I kind of got the win- I got a hold of that concept literally like two days ago. So I was like, okay, um, who who were the guys that I brought in? I brought in um, well, right now, uh, well, Roosh was leaving. He he gave notice. And that was one thing in the beginning. Like, all my guys were leaving because everybody was on a handshake deal. They have handshake deals, exclusive contracts, all kinds of shit. So everybody was leaving. So Marty Skrull, leaving. 
Jeff Cobb leaving. Uh, Roosh leaving. Uh, Jay Lethal, part of my tag team champions with uh, Gresham leaving. What the fuck? I'm like, everybody's signing everybody. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so then I had to think, all right, well, I got to guess I got to sign people. All right. I, I can't do these fucking handshakes because people are walking out the door. Signed Joe Doring of All Japan fame to feud with uh, Bubba Ray because I had to, I had to have Bubba Ray or, yeah, Bully Ray, whatever the fuck. I had to have him win my title. Fuck me. Because uh, this is a, right. this is a dark Cause time. Rush, <laughs> yeah, because Roosh was leaving. He gave fucking notice. I had fucking was that, 20 days. Was there no one there you could have put it on the Bully Ray? But, but, no. Who, I mean, I, I, who was I going to put it on? Fucking Gresham. Silas Young? He was my tag champ. Make, make him your Ring of Honor champ. Uh, no I, wonder your promotion's going down the toilet, Damien. You're putting a wait, wait, hear me out. Okay, He's, come on. I'll, I'll, I'll bite my tongue. Okay, but I, I so I put, I put, but I put it, but I put it on him, right? And but his his scores, like the the things that you know, kind of indicate if you're doing well or over at the crowd and all that shit. That uh, he was one of my top guys. So I'm like, all right, I was just literally going to put it on him and get it off him as quickly as possible because I didn't want it to happen. I was he was he was carrying my fucking shows. So I was like, all right, I'll leave it on him for a little bit. Anyhow, that there. So he, the guys I signed, I signed. Uh, I wound up signing Carl Anderson. I wound up signing Zach Sabre Jr. I wound up signing. I guess they're calling him Dax Harwood from um, Revival. I only have one of them. I only have one. The other one signed with AEW. Ridiculous. Uh, who else did I sign that was... Uh, oh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. So those are the guys that I have right now. And I have Lance Archer coming in at the end of the month. I picked him up. Awesome Kong is filming a movie. And that's really about... the. Those are the big ones that I signed. Um... But yeah, I didn't have my finances in order. So right now, I'm just scrambling, trying to to save money. So anyway, nobody gives a fuck. Fantasy booking, we're, ta- we're talking about here. Um, but it is fun. I think you should get it, Joe. I think you should get it. It's fun. It is fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, there's different mods. So there's different way. Like right out of the box, it's not set up for you to play in in real world scenarios. Like you have to then install a mod that somebody else created, uh, but some of them are really in depth, and some of them are really—I um, mean, there's some talented fucking people involved in this. Um, I'm using a mod. What am I doing? Killing the business is the one I'm using right now. The killing the business mod. I, I'm dying because I want one from the '80s. I want to start in the '80s. I want to start like '84, '85, and take a territory and do the same thing. Uh, and I, nobody's got one out yet that works with the newer version of this game so hurry up uh somebody to do that but yeah i'm really getting into it i'm really good here's the thing too they have some people mod where like there's a screen where you get your news and your updates and everything um and some of them are generic some people skin it so that it's real legitimate websites and one of them is voices of wrestling um and then i'm thinking well how come i'm 
we're not in this fucking game. I want a little fucking piece of this. I, I want to Super Jcash report that Bully Ray sucks with the fucking ROH title. You know what I mean? I want that. I want to be involved. Nobody's done it yet, or at least not that I've seen. So that's 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 when you know we've made it, is when uh, we reach that. Uh, the uh, the booking simulators, but that and Fire Pro Wrestling, and I'm watching um, the Last Dance, that ESPN documentary on the Bulls and Michael Jordan, which is really a fucking outstanding one. Um, they talk about Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is in the NBA Finals, y'all. NBA Finals uh, on a team that is legendary already, one of the greatest of all time. Dennis Rodman, the Day before, I think it was game three, decides oh, he's going to be on WCW Nitro with the NWO. <laughs> and the Bulls are like, what? And the NBA is like, what is he doing? <laughs> and he's just on NWO. He's just on WCW. Uh, and then he flies out that night, goes back to play in the game the next night. Fucking unbelievable. So great. I know that went all over the place. <laughs> I watched that Owen Hart documentary this morning. I kind of wish I hadn't. Ah, uh, see, was that sad? Yeah. Yeah, it just it just made me angry as that well. That was really sad. Just such a pointless yep. death. It's yeah, yeah. The guy didn't. The guy vehemently didn't want to do it. Uh and yet you know the pressures of of performing. Um, I remember. Watching that live, I remember sit. I I could tell exactly where I was sitting when I was watching that in this very house, the very house I live in. Um, yeah, it was fucked up, man. It was fucked up because they just they you know they had like a, a a interview segment, you know, like a little you know bumper piece, and then they went to Jim Ross and 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 Lawler and they're like, we have an issue here. <laughs> we we have a situation. And he's like, this is real life. Like Ross just kept saying, this is real life. <laughs> and uh, and then I think actually what happened, they cut away to a live piece and Debram is in tears and Jeff Jarrett is like, what? What? Because they were together. They were, they were partnered up. And he's live, and he's like, oh, I don't know. And Deborah's in, you know, fucking trying to hold back tears. And then they announced during the show that he, that, that he had passed away. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the thing that was unbelievable, too, is sadly, like, everybody was talking about it in the sense of, you know, it was major, major news. And it just they make pro wrestling look too good. That's for fucking sure. Guy died falling from a fucking scaffolding. And, and you know what else, Joel? As weird as this may sound, I so like when I sit in the press box, I'm I'm right there. Like I'm I'm you know, there's a door that leads right to those catwalks that lead to like I'm at the very top of a, of, of the arena. And I not that I think about it a lot. But there are plenty of times where I'm like, oh, um, oof. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a long fall. That's for fucking sure. Um, I can't imagine. Do you know that they wanted to strap somebody to him as he as he was dropping down? Like there was some uh, uh, mini, like one of the uh, luchadors 
I, I wanted to say. They went, they went to strap somebody to Owen Hart as he was going down. And Owen Hart, I'm no fucking way. Can you imagine if that, if, if, if that actually, oh my God. <sighs> what a fucking, tr- that is, that is a tragedy, man. Owen Hart was a big deal. At least for like, like newsletter readers, like in the late 80s, early 90s. Like he was, he was the fucking talk of the town. Everybody wanted to fucking get Owen Hart tapes. Mm. Oh, unbelievable. What, what did you think of the documentary overall, though? Yeah, it was one of the better ones that they've done because I felt with some of the other topics they've handled, they either haven't really added anything new or they've been sort of handling the subject with kid gloves. Like they've been afraid to really dig deep and ask the difficult questions. But this one, I thought they pulled no punches. They were, you know, gave. Martha the, uh, and Oge's son to the, the platform to really say what was on their minds and basically point the finger at, at WWF and Vince for being responsible for this, for the lack of safety and just the absolutely mind-blowingly inadequate equipment that they used. But yeah. you know, I'm not saying that everyone... Not articulating myself well. Basically, what really got to me was you know, being the fact that I am a father now and seeing you know all the videos and photos and stuff with him and his little kids, you know, together at Christmas and like leaving them behind and those kids growing up without a dad. It's just ah, because you know wrestling is full of a lot of shitheads. There are a lot of really bad people in this business, but it seemed that Owen was one of the good ones and just absolutely gut-wrenching stuff to see just the devastation left by his untimely passing yeah and the weird thing about it is is that he was so good but yet everybody that you hear from it was like he, he did everything in his power to not do it you know from yeah, he, he growing up get out. And, you know right yeah he wanted to be a fireman right is that is that, is that the what, 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 what i thought that's where where i read what i read somewhere Ah, yeah. Look, every um, every sport has their their dark side, and pro wrestling. It just feels like a lot of these. Like uh, my friends would be are are really watching these documentaries more so because they like the documentary aspect than the pro wrestling, mind you. But even then, you know, they'll they'll be like, "Is that really? What is that? You know, the Benoit one was was." eye-opening to a lot of people they kind of remember it but then they're like oh my god and and and, you know it's weird because i have to explain those like yeah he was one of my favorite wrestlers (laughs) they're like really yeah he started it a lot in calgary new japan oh my god um yeah it was weird i mean it was a bit it's been a this is a weird show because i don't know if we're both really in a great frame of mind i think last week was a real just terrible news week when it came to tragedies and shit like that. Um, yeah, and that fucking Shad Gaspard story as well. Oh, my God. You see that? Yeah, yeah I did. That's... Uh, and Larry Songbird. I can't imagine. The, the, I just... Uh, yeah. Larry, Larry Zonka is a guy that we... Not that we talked to him or knew him, but we knew of him because his name was everywhere when it came to 
reviews. Like you saw his name a lot. And I remember when the, the PureCast started um, and Colin would, you know, we try to reference people and according to this person or, you know, or we would do reports or, you know, match results or whatever. And I remember one time Colin came across his name and he couldn't, he didn't know how to pronounce it. And I was like, Larry Zonka, like the football player. And Colin doesn't really, he's not really a sports guy, you know, in any way, shape or form. Uh, and he's just it, like the Larry Zonka reference. He, he was an old football player. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so that, so his name kind of always stuck with us for that reason. Cause I would bust Colin's balls because he couldn't pronounce his name. Um, so, uh, but he, he hustled. He really did. Like you saw his name everywhere when it came to show reviews and that I saw that and I was just like, Oh my God, you know, family, wife, kids. And, and, and yeah, it's just a fucking terrible week. We're not doing anybody any justice listening to this and making anyone feel better. That's for fucking sure. Well, we're here. Why, but, why is that our responsibility to make people no, feel better? We need to be real. I agree. I agree. It's hard to fucking put a smile on a week like, like this. Um, yeah, you were, you were, it felt like you were just, just clamoring for some good news. And you're hanging on hope with, you know, other sports sort of opening up. And, you know, we have we have a, a pretty big holiday weekend right, right around the corner here that everybody's gearing up for. And they're opening beaches and shit. And everybody's kind of walking on eggshells. Oh, yeah, that, that'll end well, I'm sure. <laughs> Trust me. I, yeah, I, 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 look, I get, I get that, that, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it, I I don't I don't see it ending well. Be honest with you, but okay, I understand. We'll do it. Do it. Uh, let's put it this way. I'm not going to the beach. <laughs> There's no fucking way. I want to go to the beach if if there was no pandemic anyway. Let's be truthful. Can't stand it there. <laughs> fucking all these people. Yeah. No, it's go away. It's a time to uh, treat yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. I've I've just sort of reverted into sort of self comfort mode. Um, I've yeah. got downloaded some old games that I know are going to make me feel good. Like I've played them a million times before, but I know they're going to make me happy and make me smile when I play them. Like the old, like point-and-click adventures. I don't know if you ever heard of or played the Monkey Island games, which are great. They're timeless classics. They're really funny. So I'm going to be playing some of those. And I've just been watching like old kids TV. There was a show that uh, there was on in the UK when I was little called Nightmare. And the premise was it was kind of like the, the very early days of virtual reality. So this is late 80s, early 90s. And you'd have um, a team of four four kids. So this would be kind of what, around maybe sort of grade five, six, seven, that, that kind of age. And you'd have three okay. advisors. And then one, one of the kids would be the dungeoneer. And they put this helmet on, which would obstruct their vision. And so the dungeoneer goes into like a, a blue screen room. And it's like... A virtual reality dungeon so there are three people the three kids have to guide their friend around this dungeon world and you sort of get solve riddles puzzles and navigate them through dangerous stuff and it just blows my mind watching this because there's some pretty hardcore stuff in there like you know kids getting killed by 
giant tarantulas and cut into pieces <laughs> and like these walkways with like spinning saw blades and getting their heads caved in by mace wielding characters it's the kind of stuff that like i loved as a kid but i don't think they'd be able to get away with it these days so uh, that's what i've reverted back to just like pure comfort not comfort food comfort tv comfort games just because i want to make myself feel good in these fucking depressing week it's been yeah i i, I, I want to be very truthful here uh, and not mislead anyone. I, if you've fallen back on comfort video games, I've absolutely fallen back on comfort foods. I can eat a whole fucking cake at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the comfort foods as well. Make no mistake about that. I, man, when I realized I could get my hand on big bags of salt and vinegar crisps here, that was it. <laughs> Taking years off my life. Yeah, oh. I'm with you. How much? How much weight do you think you've gained? Give me, give me an estimate. Uh. I don't know that your imperial units of measurement <laughs> probably at least a stone. Mm-hmm. Stone. I, I guarantee you there's a stone in me somewhere. There's that and a kidney stone with all the fucking crap I'm eating. Um, yeah, I, 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 I feel like physically feel terrible. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like just blah. Because the garbage that I've been putting in my, in my body has been unbelievable. Uh, when is this going to end? Um, I'm going to send. I I'm heard. Gonna, uh, sorry, you, go ahead. I'm going to send you a video okay. clip. But you no, go. What were you saying? Yeah. Okay. No, I was going to say she's going to try to fucking spin this in a way that's somewhat positive and somewhat related to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I did see that they were going to open up uh, the <laughs> the shop. Where am I? This is it. Okay. All right. So Tell us what you're seeing. Okay? Yeah. Well, somebody, there is a kid, and he's standing on a ledge. Oh, jeez. It's like three nerds in yellow shirts trying to trying to help this kid get across this ledge with a giant spider. It's really scary for a kids' TV show, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Hope we're not breaking any copyright here. Oh my god. This yes. So these kids are kind of talking them through. Think of it this way. Is as if you were blindfolded and you had a group of friends that were kind of say, "Okay, now now move left. Now move right, you know, what what have you." And it's kind of like this green screen, I guess. Um and the kid is on a ledge and he's got to get walk past this giant tarantula and there's three other kids Looking all the nerdy. Right? They all have matching yellow polo shirts. Uh, behind computer screens, I guess they can see the monitor, and they're kind of coaching the other kid to kind of get through. Yeah, that's pretty, actually pretty fucking cool. I, I, you know what? What's it called? Nightmare? Yeah. It's all on YouTube, the whole all right. all eight seasons of it. I'm fucking watching that shit. I'm watching it. I'm doing it. Um, I'm gonna send you one more. It reminds more as well. me of while you're talking. Go ahead. All right, send me one more. Let's 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 do this one. Let's let's put this one on as well. This is actually pretty entertaining. I got to be honest with you. I can't wait for this to come through. Oh, there it is. Video from Joel. All right, here we are. All uh, right, I'm gonna hit play. Oh. <laughs> All 
All right, so let me set the scene here. Uh, giant, t- like a uh, like a like a giant walkway, almost like a like a a tube. That you, when you go down to the uh, uh, subway or underground, if you will, um, and there's these giant buzz saws. Are they blades that are these? This kid has to dodge, uh, uh, moving left and right as the kids are coaching them. The other kids are coaching them. All right, let's see a little bit more here. Oh. He got whacked. See, when I grew up, Damon, knowing the difference between your left and right was a matter of life and death. <laughs> Knowledge counted back then. It sure did. Holy fuck. That kid got... I mean, he gets hit with this blade and blood just covers the entire screen and drips down, indicating his demise. <laughs> You're dead. Um, yeah, I'm watching all that shit. It reminds me of... This will be a, a non-pro wrestling podcast, by the way. Can we agree with that? There will be no pro wrestling talk today. <laughs> yeah, that's fine by me. <laughs> um, oh, um, seriously, we should do that one week. Can we just like pause the classic watch on, which I'm enjoying, but maybe just pause it for one week and just talk about stuff that we like. Just have a, like an off-topic week. Yeah. I love it. Uh, maybe it's this week. Because <laughs> let's be truthful. The matches that we saw weren't always that great. Um we in a day so new york we would get two new york channels and these new york channels were kind of like super stations wor channel 9 and wpix channel 11 out of new york and channel 11 had this one thing early 80s Joel, early 80s where you would it was like during like the kids cartoon block and what you would do is you would mail in a postcard, and if they picked you, you would be on the air. You would call. You would be on your phone, and you would be very similar to this, controlling video game uh, that you would be seeing on your screen. You'd be broadcasted live during this segment, and they had like little Space Invader games where ship would come into your scope. You know, you, you know, it's like you know, first person kind of thing. You're driving this ship, and it's kind of like Space Invaders would fly into your scope, and to shoot. You would say into your phone, picks, picks, right? <laughs> or WPIX to indicate I'm shooting now. So you would just turn on the show and he'd be like, pick this, this kid. All right, here's Billy Bob Jones from Passaic, New Jersey. Billy, we're going to be playing Space Invaders right now. You're ready. And he's like, yes, I'm ready. And here we go. All right, Billy, here we go. And Billy, three, two, and here comes the thing. And he's like, picks, picks, picks. And all you would hear is picks, and it's just terrible. But you gotta look them up because they were horrible. I think they had a football game. He'd be like picks, and you throw. Oh, Billy didn't get a touchdown, but you did win a version of Kit Kats, or I don't fucking know. Uh, why am I talking about this? But people who are my age might remember the WPIX uh, picks. Um, video game segments. If you do, give us a call at one eight hundred. What are we doing? This podcast thanks Yeah, that, I, I just want to talk about nostalgia. <laughs> so we'll keep that yeah. in our locker for a few. I, actually, I tell you what, we do have something that I thought was quite fun here. Luis asked, "Did either of you buy any of the new wave of NJPW figures from Super Seven? Have you seen these? Is there the Lij series?" Yeah, I did. Uh, I saw the Bushi one looked pretty amazing. Uh, actually, all of them looked pretty amazing. Evil one looked pretty great. Um, 
Hiromu's looked a little bit off, but uh, overall, overall, they're pretty great. No Sonata, though, right? Yeah, no. what'd you make of that? Is that a contractual thing? I don't know. Or maybe they just admit that he's a failure. <laughs> His push will be aborted, <laughs> and he'll be back in the other card where he belongs when the television resumes. Yep. Yep. Back in the basement with you. You know what? Back to Wrestle One with you. Ah, Sonata. How do you think? Uh, how do you think this is gonna work out with uh, travel? That's my biggest concern when it comes to this. Is how are we? I mean, I know they're gonna do individual shows. You know, L.A. You know, at the dojo, and they'll do some some shows with the people that are in Japan, but it's going to be a while before we see people flying around, right, Joel? I mean, we've got this thing, this this uh, fourteen day. Well, you're living it for Christ's sake. Like, how are they going to get people into these shows? Is is is, is like, and then do you test them? And then how? Like, just the logistics of it is just. Like I think about it for baseball, and I think about it for for traditional sports, and we know pro wrestling is really behind the fucking eight ball when it comes to that. <laughs> um, like I just don't like. Are they just going to be like, ah, oh, it's pro wrestling? Just get in the country and we'll get you on the show. You know what I mean? Like, I hope not. But like, what are they? Are they going to test every day? Like, well, how is this going to work? I'm going to be blunt, Damon. I don't care. I don't want to think about that. I just. Yeah. Just tell me when it's up on NJPW World. Tell me what time it starts, and I'll be there. All the, you know, hand ringing and prognosticating of logistics. I'm just absolutely sick of it because it's all you get every time I listen to any other podcast. Football, that's all they talk about, and either wrestling, that's all they're talking about, and I just. Ugh. Right. Nobody no. knows. No. Let's. Can we just say nobody knows? Right. They don't know. How the fuck are we going to know? They don't know. I agree. I agree. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'll tell you what, no, this is funny. So about one of your classic watch long matches, Chris Hanks on Twitter says, Hogan versus Abdullah, a tonic for the troubling period we're in, a heart back to a more innocent time when two sweaty and bloodied men could go rampaging through a live crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. I you want me to pull back the curtain here? Yeah. Well, do do you, you want, want the context? You, you want the why? Manabu notes first, or you want to tell us why you picked this match first? Well, I'll tell you why I picked the match. I, I mean, we don't even have to get into the, the watch along at this point. But but I but but there is a method to my madness here. I just wanted an easier segue to to share with you my Abdul the Butcher story. <laughs> okay. Because I was watching this match and I was like, okay, first one, okay, yeah, this is interesting, and then. There's a walk and brawl, and then the walk and brawl continues, yeah. and then it's finished. And I was like, "What? What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> oh, you you watched a classic Abdul the Butcher walk and brawl. Um, but here's the thing, though. He, to me, if you let's put it this way, I can name one other person where if they came barreling through the crowd. I would be running for my fucking life. And that's probably Suzuki, right? Because Suzuki just feels like he's a guy that, you know, while he's going to be careful, his main objective is instilling fear into people. Abdul the Butcher 
to this day, uh, scares the fuck out of me. You know what I mean? Hepatitis and all. <laughs> scares the fuck out of me. Um, he, he's, he's, he like, he looks the part. Um, I would be running for my life if he, if he came barreling toward me. F- fear of God. Um, did you know that I managed Abdul the Butcher on one show? I did not. This sounds like a story time with Damon. Here's a story from Uncle Damon. Here's a story from some point in his life. Here's a story from Uncle Damon. And it may be about wrestling, or perhaps include his wife. (laughs) I love that music. so fucking great. Uh, Andrew, by the way, Andrew Rich, he has been, if, if there's been a bright light through all this, it's Andrew Rich and his, uh, his wit and his, he's a genius. Can I, can I just put that out there? Andrew Rich is a fucking genius. Uh, some of the, some of the stuff he, he puts out there is unbelievably funny. What a funny dude. Um, yeah, if I managed. Go read a book from time to time. <laughs> Big reader? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I, I just poking fun at our favorite friend from yeah. Up Rocks. Actually, I don't know if she's still writing them, but uh, well, now she will. We love you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, we, we, uh, yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, it was on a show. This guy Doc Diamond would run shows in Jersey. And he booked us for the show. And I was just figuring I was going to work with, you know, the guy I work with, Twiggy. And um, that was going to be that. But then they, apparently they, they they needed somebody for Abdullah. And Abdullah, it was, the main event was Abdullah Butcher versus Manny Fernandez, the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. So I'm sitting in a locker room and uh, there was one person in there who was at a lot of shows. She worked a lot of shows at Amy Lee. She's like, uh, Madonna, you uh, you want to do a, you want to do work with Abby? I mean, he needs a manager. So on one hand, one side of my head, I'm like, holy fucking shit, yeah, I do. Um, wow, okay, cool. But then the other side, Abby had a little He's bit of a gig me. <laughs> yes, Abby has a little bit of a reputation, and especially in 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 these parts. Because he would work, a Larry, he, a Larry Sharp would run shows, WWA, he would run shows. And there was this manager, I forget the name of the guy, but he was a manager. And, yeah, he has the old blades in the fingernail gimmick, you know, and do the old chop, and whoosh, away you go. You're bleeding. Well, Abby was a little careless with that blade at one point, and the guy had a scar run, that ran from his forehead around his eye. And down to his cheek. And I'm like, I ain't fucking, that's, that can't be me. I got to go to fucking work the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Monday. I, I can't fucking have that happen. So here we go. Imagine going in with that. Like, you were your face stitched up. Yeah. Like, what happened to you? It's like, do you know Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> right. Work your way down to Abdul the Butcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, it w- and here's the thing. Joe, I was in sales. So I had like a sales territory where I had to drive to different places. And yeah, I just it was not going to go over. 
And I just didn't want to be fucking scarred for life for $20, if that. So we're in the locker room. And, and I don't know if you, you – have you ever heard Abdul the Butcher talk? Uh, refresh my memory. Very high-pitched. Like a voice coming out of the body that you would be like, that does not fit. Very, very high-pitched yeah. voice. So Silva. he yeah. So he sits down and it's Ab fucking Duel the Butcher and he's like, oh, oh, how you doing? How you doing, brother? How you doing? Uh he's like, oh, he's like, oh, how long you been in the business? Blah 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 blah. A couple years. Blah blah blah. He's like, uh, you 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 bleed. I'm like, nah. <laughs> I was like one of those. It's kind of like the guy who offers you coke at a party. You know, he's, he's a little sketch, and you're like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, that was that. I was like, nah, okay, just stay with me. Uh, you go. and then here comes Manic Fernandez over. All right, brother. Uh, I'm gonna you 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 bring Abby and you get in my face and just give giving me the business. And then I'm gonna hit you a couple times, and you go down, and then we're gonna go. Bup, 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 bup. I'm like, okay, okay, whatever you want. Uh, here comes the match. Oh, sorry, let me just get this clear. Your yeah. role is to be on the same side as, as Abdul. Abdul the Butcher. So Correct. even though you are representing him, you think there's a real danger that he's gonna try and cut you. Anyway. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Because as we're having this conversation, mind you, Joel. He is in the process of putting said blades around his finger, taping them up, <laughs> and he looks like fucking. Like he looks like Edward Scissorhands at this point. <laughs> so did you say to him? Oh, I said, I said no, and he's like, oh no, it's just, this is just for eating my dinner later. <laughs> Don't worry about this. Uh, I always do this. It makes me feel comfortable. Okay, does it? Uh, I'm not. So here we go. And my, you know, the guy I'm with, Twiggy, Anthony, he's like, uh, yeah, we're excited. <laughs> Already I've got, I've got the Benny Hill theme music playing yeah, in my good. head as this match. Please do, because, all right, so he's looking at me, right, and he's excited. We're excited. I'm like, oh, my God, imagine fucking Abdul the Bush. It's fucking crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. So here comes. I I lead him out. And I had this white towel that I put over my head for, I don't know, whatever reason. Uh, uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> well. Right, right, right. Uh, so I'm like, I don't even know why, to be quite frank. I don't know why, but I just wound up managing it. So we're hitting the ring, getting the ring. Here comes Manny. Hit, music hits. He gets in the ring. Now I got to give him, you know, tell him how much he sucks and how much Abby's great and he's going to kick his ass. I'm your hunk of shit, Manny Fernandez, blah, blah, blah. So here I go. Give him a wag in my finger. And bop, 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 bop. He grabs me, throws the punch. Uh, light as a feather, and I go down like a fucking sack of potatoes, right? Because, in my mind, I'm a tub of shit manager in New Jersey, and you're fucking Manny Fernandez. You, you know, you should, you should be able to knock me out with one punch. I go down. Abby comes over, boom, now they're brawling. Bop, 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 they're doing their shit. Joel, if, if, Abdul the Butcher, if you have your ring, if, if Abdul the Butcher is, we'll just call it side A, I'm on side uh, C, right? If I'm on the complete opposite side, anywhere they go, they go brawling into right, the crowd. So you're just like the living embodiment of a geometry word problem, right? Uh, yep. 
<laughs> what is the maximum distance that Damon can keep from Abdullah at any given po- moment? And still be considered involved in the match. Yes. And I see, like, my, my friends are looking out the, you know, out the, the door, and some of them even left the locker room just to see how I do it. And they're cracking up because they're like, they know what I'm doing. They know I'm just staying the fuck away. And it was that the entire match, right? So they would go up in the crowd, and I would just kind of take the ref. The ref would be like, come on, get him back into the ring. And I would go up. I think it was Mike Keener, actually, who was the ref of ECW fame. Uh, I, I would get up and... And I would just be like, Mike, I am like, you know, you know how you're just pantomime yelling, bah, 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 bah. but I'm actually saying, Mike, I'm not getting in fucking 10 feet of these maniacs. And he's laughing and I'm yeah, laughing. Like a strap match, but in reverse. You won't go any nearer than about 10 feet to this guy. Right, right, right. It's the social distance match. Um, so they do their thing. Ba, 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 ba. Now here they come back. They're coming back and I'm like, okay, here we go. I don't know. I don't know if it was a combination of stupidity or if it was. I just felt like I was doing nothing or peer. Pro- I don't know what it was. But as they're coming back, I kind of stay my ground a little bit. And the next thing you know, I'm in the mix. I'm in the mix of this match. And Abby decides he's going to grab me, and he swings his arm back as if he's going to chop me. And Joel, I kid you not, <laughs> the words that came out of my mouth, loud as as anyone could hear. First I went, first I, ah, like that, right? This is this is not like me acting scared. This is me being scared. And I went, I have to work on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Not the face. I've got a photo shoot with Vision Express. <laughs> I swear I was said, ah, I had to work on Monday. And I, he didn't, he, he hit me, but he didn't, like, he just hit me. And then I went down and then I just ran away. <laughs> as far away again. <laughs> ah, I have Did to work on afterwards? Monday. That was my, that, that's, that's me. That's me protecting the business right there. <laughs> Uh, and then another one, being that we're here with Abdul the Butcher, um, we worked the. Wait, sorry, end I of, just want. Did you see him after the match? Did you yeah, have to answer yeah. For your oh yeah, so we went to the match. Uh, he was fine with it. You know, he was like, "Oh, good job, yeah, good job, brother, good job." And then um, Manny, you know, doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, that was good, 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 man. Uh, he, but he, but even Man Fernandez was like. You know, you're a big guy. You should have, you know, you could have taken more punches from me in the beginning. Why'd you go down? I was like, and I actually said, sir, I'm a dope from New Jersey managing a wrestler. You are Manny Fernandez. Uh, You punch me. I go down. And he's like, oh, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, you know, I felt like, listen, I'd rather err on the side of caution, you know, when it comes to that. What I'm going to sit there and fucking no-sell Manny Fernandez? I'll get my fucking teeth handed to me. The next punch. <laughs> the strong start, like, fighting spirits, but, ah! <laughs> get right in his face. Right, right. Hey, hey that, that ain't happened. One, one, one punch. It's all, I'm going, my right, ass is... I've got a question for you. Let's imagine you are doing a similar role with current members of the New Japan roster. Which current active member of the roster, if anyone, are you not bumping for immediately... When they punch you, 
Um, mm, Kevin Kelly. (laughs) Chris Charlton. How many Kevin Kelly punches (laughs) he's? Chris Charlton. I'll fucking, I'll no sell that guy. Um, In ring. Hmm. Oh man, I tell you, I, I truth be told, I'd be very disrespectful if I didn't. If you no sold that, um, who would I no sell? Right, Yano. Not no sell, but you, you know, you're doing the mental calculations and thinking, uh, maybe I'll take like two or three punches. I'll act a bit dazed and staggered before I take the back bump. Yano, uh, maybe Yano. Even though in real life he would totally fucking just break every bone in my body. Maybe you imagine that. So he, he hits you with a punch, and then you kind of sort of stagger, look a bit dazed, and then you just, you look in his face, and then all the love disappears from his eyes. The comedy's <laughs> gone, and he's just looking at you like you fucking disrespectful piece of shit. Yep. How fucking dare you? Yep. No sell the attacks of an established championship holding wrestler like myself yep that <laughs> guy potatoes you for real <laughs> that guy will make your life miserable at that point <laughs> you're in for a long night i guarantee you because everything's going to be laid in a little bit extra snug like that um that's for fucking sure how about you are you no selling anybody just thinking like who would be the the bottom ranked wrestlers you know even someone who normally eats the pins you know like a Yujiro or Doki or Young Lions or the dads. You, you I don't know. Yeah, they t- they hurt. touch me. I'm fucking flying. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't give a fuck who it is, because anybody, anybody, even at least at that level, they're. Yeah, I'm not fucking around with that. I'm trying to think of like who would, who would. Mm. There's no one. I was thinking maybe Abushi, because at least he seems a little bit, I don't know, maybe a little bit more forgiving when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe him, but there, but honestly, no. Like I said, I was going down for Manny Fernandez. No fucking no, no, no if ands or buts. I'm my ass took the the this the quickest. I look like fucking dynamite kid the way I hit that fucking canvas. I just bang. Down. Um, so anyway, we went to uh, the NWA's, I want to say, 50th anniversary or 60th anniversary. We went to Charlotte, North Carolina for the show. And we drove down. And, oh, my God, we were in. You remember, uh, what's his name? Fred Richards, was it? The, the, I wonder what promotion was it in Japan? Was it, was it FMW or was it Wing or one of those promotions where there was an evil ref gimmick? Um, you might want to look it up. Fred Rubenstein, but he was a ma- he was a referee for uh, Dennis's NWA, and he was a good guy. He was like a he was like, but he was like like he was a real funny guy, but he was like a real guy you wouldn't want to fuck with because he was like in the union, like he was like a union head of like the Transit Authority in New York or some shit, or like a lawyer. Like he just seemed like a guy that was like knew people who knew people. Um, and we drove down with him. It was me, Twiggy, somebody else. We drove down. And I've never been more afraid in, in a car ride in my entire life. This fucking guy 
Fred, who again, we always were, were cool, but he drove like a maniac, Joel. I, we're doing 120, 130 on I-95. Just, just, I'm like, can we slow down a little bit? He's just zoom driving this fucking SUV. We get there. Um, Abby's on the show, and uh, a, a guy who we knew drove down just to see if he could get on the show. Biggie Biggs, and he, Abby's like, I need, I need people to, to run in. We're gonna run, do running. Everybody's gonna pull me off. Blah blah blah. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna gig you. I'm gonna. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, this was his shot to get on the show. And he's looking at us like, should I do this fucking shit? And me and we're like, nope. <laughs> I said, I said, how much are they paying you? He's like, you know, twenty five bucks, twenty bucks, if that. And I was like, you're gonna fucking have this guy cut you for twenty fucking bucks just to say you were on this show. I'm like, you don't do this. Anyway, he he gets a bunch of people to do it. And the, the the way that the backstage was set up, everybody's all crammed into this one fucking room. And here comes after this match, here comes Abdul doing his whole fucking gimmick. And blood is going everywhere. Fucking everybody's just like, oh what the fuck. I mean, I mean, I'm, when I'm talking blood, I'm talking blood on the wall. Like he's just doing this entire thing. I guess the I, I guess there were Japanese media there. I don't know, man. But like he didn't turn that fucking shit off. Anytime soon. And he's back. Well, imagine like the scene from The Shining when the elevator doors open and there's like this <laughs> wave of blood coming out. It was and everybody's like, hey, what the fuck? Uh and it was everywhere. It was just so fucking gross. And I and Tommy Young, the referee from uh NWA fame, Jim Crockett promotions, was there. And he's he's got that that fucking Tommy Young, Kermit the Frog face, like, what the fuck? Right? And he just looks at me and Twiggy, and he's like, boys, just make sure you save your money. And he walks out the room. <laughs> like, he's just disgusted. He's trying to coach us to get the fuck out while you can. Save your money and get out. <sighs> Good times, Joel. All right, there you go. There's story time with Damon. That killed a couple of minutes, right? Some Abdullah <laughs> the Butcher story. Right, so this is a match that you chose for our watch along, which was Hulk Hogan versus Abdullah the Butcher from May 26, 1982 in the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium. So, context please. Please go follow Manabu on Twitter, at SJManabu. So, he says, in 1970, Abdullah came to Japan for the first time. He was invited by Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance. He was always Giant Baba's best opponent. So, after Baba started All Japan, he was invited by Baba. Match against the Funks in All Japan was well known. Uh, Manabu provides links for all these matches, so definitely worth checking out. He became kind of a symbol of a heel wrestler together with Tiger Jeet Singh in the early 80s Japanese pro wrestling scene. His popularity was more than just that, and he's put a link to an Abdullah the Butcher TV commercials from Japan. And so for much more money, he moved to New Japan, and there's uh, more match links here. He says, unfortunately, his fight style didn't fit with strong style. Hogan versus Butcher was weird matchmaking. Uh, So... I mean, when I started watching this match, first of all, you know, I, was, I always get impressed with the way in these older matches they do less but get more out of it. So, like, for example, a shove in this match gets a big pop from the crowd. And it's just like the little facial expressions from Abdullah, like just that, the uncertainty, like, oh, you know, maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew here. 
and I thought, okay, we're going to get a story here with whether or not Hogan can lift Abdullah, can he slam him, and it's like an amazing feat of strength to even just to be able to pick him up from the bear hug position. But it was kind of like a, a weird glimpse into like a parallel universe where Hogan becomes the big babyface Western star of New Japan because like he, he looks like a million bucks here and the crowd are really into him. And then Abdullah just starts cutting Hogan open and he's got like, <laughs> is it a plastic fork or something in his hand? He's like yeah. jabbing in the eye. And it's really nasty. It's horrible. And he's like, Hogan's pissing blood everywhere. Referee's totally cool with it. He's just like, yep, yeah, keep going, lads. This, this is good stuff. <laughs> And then my favourite spot in the match, this the Lariat spot. So, so Hogan, Irish whips Abdullah into the ropes and then hits him with a running Lariat and then Abdullah rotates 90 degrees with his arms up in the air on his tiptoes and then falls flat on his back. And it's one of the best things that I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Like that was an Inoki level Lariat bump. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said before, they, there's a very long walk and brawl and that's it. That's the match. <laughs> Welcome to 1982 New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you didn't like it? <laughs> no, I did like it. It was really fun, but I was I was expecting it. I probably should have known better, but I was expecting to get back in the ring at some point. But no. you know, I've probably seen enough of these matches with these big names to know the politics involved, that there are a lot of non-finishes in them. But yeah, just for a little glimpse into early 80s stuff and you know very very different from the other 80s matches that we've done on our classic watch along so yeah i i enjoyed it definitely it was strange but yeah. fun i see here's the thing i don't we make fun of the walking bra and i think the walking bra everybody knows that that's an abdul the butcher staple I, I appreciate the walking bra a little bit more from a guy like Abby because, to, again, to me, he's one guy that, like, he 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 is a fearful-looking gentleman um, who, if he's charging toward you, yeah, you're shitting your pants. You're getting the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, to this day, I, I would be afraid of him. Um, it, he, he lived the part. So... That I don't know what it is. Is it, it that does add a little bit of excitement, you know, over Isaka doing the same thing in in Corkin. Like to me, Isaka doesn't scare me. Fucking Abdul the Butcher fucking scares me. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's his match. So if you've seen, I feel like if you've seen one Abdul the match, you've seen them all. But I could watch a million Abdullah matches because just the end. It's like a punk band. Music's not that great, but it's but it's those four fucking chords mean a lot, and the energy that he brings, like like the 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 room changes, um, where people are smiling, laughing, and running for their lives at the same time. It's so. So I kind of enjoy that. And I like watching – sometimes I like watching the crowd a little bit more than I like watching the match because I just love to see their expressions and how they're they're jumping over each other to get the fuck out of the way. Um, do I like doing that in a show? No, but I like watching other people do that. Um, I don't know. And Hogan, <laughs> as weird as this sounds, I don't know why we would bring this up, but I do have a small fascination. 
with how people do blade. Like I do have, like when I know it's coming and I see them reaching into their tights or I see them reaching into the, 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 the wrist tape or I see, and I, I don't want to expose the business here, but like I, I appreciate a, a pro wrestler who can do that and do that as inconspicuously as possible. And I always get a laugh out of the ones that are just so blasé about it. And so like, I'm going to unwrap my blade. I'm going to stick the blade as high as I can in the air. I'm going to jab it in my forehead. I'm going to then take that blade and, you know, like it's, you see everything. Like there's, there's one. There's a whole like ceremonial ritual preceding <laughs> the actual gigging. Right. Right. I would drink this, sh- this chalice of wine. Um, it's, there's one, I was watching one tape, one, one show. It was Snooker versus Albano, I want to say. From Madison Square Garden. Joe, I kid you not, it was the worst blade job I've ever seen in my entire life. Albano is is standing up, running around the ring, like running around the ring after getting a headbutt. And he ha- it's like, you ever see that fucking video online where uh, it's the kid, he's outside, and the mom's or whatever it is like, Johnny, what do you have? And he goes, I Knife! A knife! Goes, right now! No! That's exactly what it is. It's Albano running with a blade in his hand, slicing his head. <laughs> so terrible. So I'm watching. I, 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 so in this match, I watch Hogan do it, and it felt like he was going for it. Like, like he just didn't do it once, and then let it fucking go. like he did it, and then he got hit a couple more times, and he's doing it like three or four times, and I'm like. God damn, you're bleeding. You're bleeding fine. Like you're you're good. You don't have to do this anymore. Every fucking time. And then <clears throat> he got knocked out of the ring. And I was waiting for him to pass it to one of the young boys that were at ringside. And he didn't. He put it in his back in his tights. Put it back in his tights. Um I saw one match, and I always would hear about guys who would do that. And then he would put the blade in their mouth. You ever hear people doing that? I mean, I never saw anybody. I, I was like, that is the stupidest thing to do. Why would you put that fucking blade in your mouth and then do what do whatever? I don't know. Well, that seems like the dumbest thing to do. You follow, you got a fucking razor blade in your mouth. I actually saw somebody do that. Um in an Abdul the Butcher match, all Japan. Um it's, it's like Early 80s, 70s. I couldn't even tell you who it was. It might have been like Animal Hamaguchi or somebody like that. I saw him put it in his mouth. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. He did it. First time I ever saw somebody put it back in their mouth. I, you know, you see him put it back in their wrist tape, in their trunks, maybe even in their boot. You see, you know, throw it under the ring. I don't know. Fucking guy put it back in his mouth. I was like, ugh. Unbelievable. Anyway, there's my there's, I'm fascinated by people who blade and how they do it. And I appreciate the professional bladers, the guys who do it. And you didn't even know what happened. I appreciate those guys. Well, there we go. There's our blading match of the week. Uh, the match, <laughs> first match I picked was the G1 Climax 1998 final with Shinya Hashimoto against Kazuo Yamazaki on August 2nd, 98 in Kogikan. So the context here from Manabu, uh, Kazuo Yamazaki joined New Japan in 1981. He was an attendant for the first Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama. When Sayama left New Japan, then Yamazaki left too. So after that, he was working as an instructor in the Super Tiger Gym. And when Sayama joined the first UWF in 84, 
so did uh, Yamazaki join. And then after the first UWF was over, he came back to New Japan as a member of UWF, left in 1988 to join the second UWF. So he's basically just following UWF wherever it goes. And the main event of the first show of the second UWF was Akira Maeda against Kazuo Yamazaki. And then after the second UWF was over, they separated into three promotions. Yamazaki joined UWF International and he was in a gatekeeping role. Then he left UWFI, returned to New Japan in 1995. So that brings us to 1998, where the G1 was a single elimination tournament. So Hashimoto made his path there by beating Tatsutoshi Goto, Tenryu, and Kojima. And Yamazaki went through uh, a murderer's row of opponents. So he beat Fujinami, Sasaki, and Chono. And this is a match that Yamazaki said is his best match. So that sets the table for us. Um, I mean, this G1 actually featured Rick Bogner, the fake Razor Ramon. Uh, there was yeah. a very good episode of WH Park's uh, Cruel Summer about this, which is worth listening to. So I wanted to ask you, Damon, about this strong style, because I'm a little bit confused about what exactly does it mean? What is real strong style? Is this match strong style? Like what? What is it? Help me out here. Like, I feel like it. it it's. I mean, originally it was. It was, It's just something like a marketing term, you know, <laughs> that felt like it's been that it's been blown out of proportion. Um, it, it. I don't. People, you know, use strong style, and they'll they'll use that to describe New Japan, and they'll use King's Road to describe. All Japan, and to me, like it was just used in the beginning anyway for for New Japan to kind of differentiate itself when it came to f- making pro wrestling seem more legitimate than it was. To me, you know, it's strong style is not just people hitting each other as hard as they can, right? It's But it's not this this I think it's more of an idea of and a marketing idea than it is necessarily even a wrestling style. Um, is strong style hard hitting? I, I, I guess, but, but that's what New Japan was and is. Um, no, I wouldn't consider this strong style, whatever that whatever that means. Like it's like to me when someone says, "All right, well, so what is strong style?" To to me, it's making pro wrestling feel as legitimate as as possible, but still maintaining pro wrestling. Um, where I whereas I think like UWF and stuff like that, I don't matches are predetermined, but like you're losing a lot of the pro wrestling element. Um. So that's so it's a, it's a question that I that I don't even know if if there's an answer to. Does that make any sense? Like I just don't think it's it's a like nobody's going up to anybody and be like, okay, I need you to wrestle strong style. Like okay, you want like what, what? okay, so it's a moot point. There's no. I, I general, to me it is. I mean, it. to you is it is there? No, I've just I see a lot of people arguing about it and 
you know whether or not current New Japan is is that strong style or is it more King's Road? And I, I was just wanting to get your two cents on it. But uh, like people gonna... have, well, people have said like King's Road is you know is even more influenced by American pro wrestling than say strong style. I I'm going to be truthful. I don't I don't really. I hate to say I really don't see that much difference. Is there really a lot of difference? I don't know. That's what I was asking you. I am coming from a place of complete ignorance here. So I'm going to move away from this question because it's (laughs) rapidly losing interest in it. Uh, What do you think? Bigger question here. What do you think of Shinya Hashimoto's aesthetic? Uh, WH Park would say the the karate fat Elvis. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, the guy is a fucking badass. Um, I actually do. And I think it helps. Like, to me, Hashimoto is one of those guys that stands out from the pack just because of the way he looks. Like, you take all those guys from that era, whether it be Chono, whether it be Muda, whether it be Hase, whether it be whomever. Like, to me, Hashimoto stands out with that look. And it's not the most aesthetically pleasing body, right? He's not, he doesn't, he's not chiseled, but he's thick. Um, and I, and here's the thing, too. I think a lot, and I, you know, it's just my perception of it. I think a lot of, to that time period, they appreciate, and and this might have something to do with sumo. Might, but I just I think I appreciate that kind of thick guy as being strong as opposed to the chiseled Lex Luger being strong when it comes to Japanese pro wrestling at that time. Like, I just think that people appreciated more of a Steve Williams or a Road Warrior animal. I mean, big guys, thick guys, though, as opposed to Rick Rude, uh, Lex Luger, guys who were chiseled. To, to show that they were powerful and strong. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of the f- fact that helps is the way that Hashimoto looks like he could beat the shit out of you. So, oh, he could. That always helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, right, back to this match then. It, it's, it's the final. It's part of like a, a wider narrative within the G1 as a whole because you've got little story threads that play into this match. So, Yamazaki... Like I mentioned, the people he beat, he's getting a big push here. He's beating all the top guys on his way to the final. And he won all of his matches quickly. He won each of them with a different submission maneuver. And Hashimoto, for his part, he was the only one of the three musketeers to have never won the G1. And then earlier this night, Kojima had injured Hashimoto's knee in their semi-final match. uh, Just minutes before well i don't know how long before it was but same night basically so these storylines all come into play here and i think they help create a lot of crowd excitement crowd absolutely love hashimoto here and it's not his first match with yamazaki they had a match at the january 4th tokyo dome show wrestling worlds uh 1996 and in february 97 when Hashimoto was champion. So Hashimoto won both of those matches. And normally you might think that the drama, you know, is compromised, a bit lopsided here, if Hashimoto winning his third against uh, this guy he's already beaten twice before. But the way that the match is built, you find yourself rooting for both guys in a way. And you get early on, like Yamazaki's submission threat established. He's, you know, going for the Kimura lock. Hashimoto escapes and 
out the ring and he's regrouping, thinking like, you know, how, how am I going to win this one? And he, he feels like an underdog, despite their relative positions at the start of the G1 and that he's got two wins over him already. And I just love Hashimoto's moveset. Like, the karate chops to the neck. Just amazing. The strikes, it's so stiff. We don't see enough karate chops in pro wrestling these days. And the bulk of this match is just kicks and chops. Like, Yamazaki's really laying in the leg kicks on account of Hashimoto's injury. R- reminding me a bit of Marco Huas against Paul Valens from UFC 7 back in 1995. And Hashimoto had a really cool leg sweep that was straight out of Mortal Kombat. And I just really like how Hashimoto was selling his own leg after throwing a kick. So he, he lands a kick mm. and then he wins. He's like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. And his selling was really good throughout the whole match. There were some couple of moments where he screams in a believable way and he actually stops using the kicks. He sticks to the chops after that, which made sense. And I like Yamazaki using the basement drop kick to the left knee to turn the tide in his favour. And like I said with previous matches, the moves are used sparingly here for, for a great effect. There's no... Like spectacular athletic sequences here. It's all simple moves, you know, like a, a DDT, a dragon screw, which of course is Muto's big move, uh, a plancher. So, like, we, we're setting up Yamazaki as a submission specialist here, and Hashimoto's bad knee. So, late in the match, when Yamazaki slaps on the knee lock, the crowd are red hot. Like, every time he puts on a submission, the crowd react like it's the finish, just given that he has finished these big names before in the same tournament. And then each time Hashimoto gets to the ropes, the crowd are thrilled that it's still going. Yamazaki's getting more and more frustrated when Hashimoto's escaping from these submissions that he previously used to put away Fujinami and Sasaki and Chono. And then when Yamazaki breaks out this this new, the fourth submission move, the leg lock, with Hashimoto's bad knee, you really buy that this is going to be Yamazaki finally getting his win over Hashimoto. So I found it like a really dramatic turnaround when Hashimoto made his comeback and we've got the sequence with the Enzugiri, the reverse DDT, absolutely beautiful elbow drop for such a big man. And then he screams to the crowd and the crowd are going nuts. They're losing their minds. And then an absolutely devastating looking vertical drop brain buster from Hashimoto. And it's a really simple match. There's no fancy moves and it's right. relatively short. I always love a short match, but it was just beautifully told. Like both guys beating the crap out of each other. Great drama crowd made it feel really special and then there's mutual respect at the end and even though Yamazaki's losing his thirds in a row to uh, Hashimoto he still gets over in defeat and yeah arguably the best match in both guys careers so uh, what did you think of it yeah I love the match the uh, the idea of less is more um plays heavily in in this match you're right it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular uh you know match where there's just just you know you're popping out of your chair for moves. This was a well-laid-out, well-told, um, I wouldn't even necessarily say slow build, but again, it was all based around chops, kicks, working over the leg. Less is more. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you take matches um, out of their time period and out of the out of the bubble, it's hard to for people especially new watchers, to kind of look at that match and be like, okay, it seemed like it was, you know, that the crowd wanted it, you know, that the crowd was into it and the crowd got it. But does it hold up to a match, say, of, of, I don't know, modern time where there's, you know, a Shingo and an Osprey, let's just say. And I think the disadvantage that this match has over a match like, like that would be, you you don't have the the advantage of the context. 
um, they're able to do less is more because of the people who they are and and the educational process that the fans had to go through to to understand that you know all these moves really do mean something. Um, and and when there was a big spot, it meant a lot, right? That brainbuster being one that you called out specifically. Um, yeah, I did like the match, and I liked it a lot. And I and I think it's a difficult thing to kind of look for less is more, uh, especially when it's out of context. And but I still think that this match delivered. In that, if even if new people and new fans and people who see this match for the first time and may not understand 100% the context that's involved here can still appreciate what they're seeing. Um, but know that 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 took you know years to build for people to be educated on, oh, this means something. Like you couldn't just put that match in the middle of, you know, Kansas City, Missouri and expect it to get over as well as it did there just because of everything else that surrounded it. Um, years of buildup to allow people to do less is more. Um, so again, when 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 people talk about oh, all the flips and all this and all that and blah, 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 yes, understood. But it, the idea of pro wrestling collectively kind of leading you to this one point, this one match um, and other matches of that is an educational process that you can't just parachute in and do. Um, so again, matches perfect for the time and the work that the company put in to educate the fans to get to that point. I think it's interesting when, even if you look at modern day stuff, comparing different uh, like Tokyo Dome main events, like if you we, we see a match like the first Omega versus Okada, which is like an incredible athletic spectacle from two guys who are doing some um, really sensational, like breathtaking moves. You know, we've got Kenny flying through a table. We've got the top rope dragon suplex with him landing right on his head. But then you, you compare that to the Naito Okada match that we saw at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 this year, which doesn't have anything like that. There's no, you know... Uh, really breathtaking moments of athleticism or, or danger like that. It's just a very well, a perfectly told wrestling match that has a lot of story and context going into it. So I guess that's a another example of your point. If you if you take that match out of the story and the history, then it might not be a special. Well, it wouldn't be as special as it is because it's you know you need all those different threads going into it to make it dramatic. Right. And to me, that's what makes pro wrestling great, right? You need those threads of uh, a build and story and why things are important. Um, again, I, I, I hate to use this as an example, but, you know, I love pro wrestling gorilla and, you know, their best of Los Angeles are, are always pretty fucking amazing shows and great pro wrestling. Um, but there is something to be said about, you know, there, there is something to be said about episodic television like Mid-South 86, you know, UWF uh, Mid-South, uh, 86, 87, where it's that, you know, matches themselves, let's be honest, aren't necessarily always that great. But it's the context uh, of, of where we are and the, and the build and everything that surrounds it that makes a lot of these things pretty fucking great. Um, 
so so I think it's I think pro wrestling today has that advantage of making matches individual matches great just by throwing caution to the wind and just going for it you know putting the pedal to the fucking metal um whereas there are great matches back in this time you know 80s 90s but a what makes them really great is the context around them um whereas i don't know if you would necessarily have a ton of that in in this version of pro wrestling I think New Japan does a really good job of doing it, and I think there, you know, there are places where you can get that. But it also keep in mind it is a little bit harder to do. Um, I don't know, a little philosophy of pro wrestling there. Uh, the second match you picked was from G One Climax two thousand four in the B Block: Kensuke Sasaki versus Yoshihiro Takayama, August eighth two thousand four. Uh, we're back to the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium here. So context from Manabu: So Yoshihiro Takayama passed the first UWF tryout when he was twenty years old, but he couldn't debut because of an injury. After that, he was working as a lifeguard. One day he met Miyato, who was the booker of UWFI, at the beach by accident. Miyato remembered him, gave him tickets to a UWFI show. He was shocked and remembered his dream to be a wrestler, so he joined UWFI. In 1995, there was New Japan versus UWFI, and of course he was a member of UWFI, and there's a link here to a match he had against Takashi Izuka. He joined Golden Cups, which was Yoji Anjo's faction. They often uh, had matches against Fuyuki-gun, which was Fuyuki, Jado, Gedo, and Jericho. When UWFI held Jingu Stadium show, UWFI executive Ken Suzuki asked giant Baba to borrow Stan Hansen. Baba said no, but Kawada could be okay. So Kawada versus Takayama happened in UWFI. Next year, Takayama wanted to do a rematch and appeared on All Japan as freelance. And he also did some MMA in 2001. Of course, there's a very famous match with Don Fry with them having a uh, very memorable punch exchange there. 2002, he took the GHC title at NOAA. And he finally took the IWGP title in 2003. January 4th, 2004 at the Tokyo Dome, he had a match against Shinsuke Nakamura. So Sasaki versus Takeyama at G1 Day 2 in 2004 was the semi-final, the eighth match uh, of this Osaka show. And the main event following this match was Nakamura versus Shibata. So I'll hand over to you, Damon. Um, No doubt you're going to put yourself over yet again for your uh, charity, your fundraising heroics (laughs) (laughs) several years ago. I jest, I jest. But yeah, you, you talk to me. Why'd you pick this match? Um, I love Takayama. Um, I, he's a guy that, for me, I forget often how awesome he was. Um, and, I, and I just needed to be reminded again. Uh, we talk a lot about strikes and we talk a lot about kicks, a lot with you know 80s. UWF style influence in New Japan. I don't know anyone who has uh, perfected the art of those short, jabby knee strikes in Takayama. Um, everything he does looks like it hurts the other person <laughs> tremendously. Like nothing looks, nothing looks unsnug. Everything looks heavy. And everything looks just beefy. Uh, he is a he is also uh, a guy that I would highly encourage just going on a YouTube 
uh, Daily Motion, whatever service you like. Go on, go on a little, go in a little black hole with Takayama, and go back and watch some of those Pride things, um, some of those MMA things. Uh, there's a famous was it, was it him and uh, Bob Sapp was pretty famous actually, uh, and Bob Sapp, Bob Sapp, get, the match starts, the place is going bonkers, right? Uh, and Bob Sapp, this is a you know. It, I'll put it in air quotes. An MMA fight. Bob Sapp is in a three-point football stance. And Takayama is in his fighting stance. And they, bell rings, boop, they run at each other. And just start teeing off on each other. I was dying. So great. Uh, this match, again, is another one where I, I just I just needed to have him... To see him and remind myself of how just everything he did looked like it killed. And those knee strikes were, were, were big. I don't think this is the greatest match in the world. I thought, I thought this match was really good. Um, some of the suplexes were great from uh, Sasuke. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, look, everybody points their finger at that Don Fry match. I rewatched it this this weekend after I watched this match. I had to go on a little little journey back in time. And that fucking match was just again, they start off and it's just hockey fight central with every punch connecting on each other's face. They take a little breather and then for whatever reason, you know, they're they're in a clinch. They're back at it. They just go back at it, swinging again for the fences. Great match. And Takayama's face gets totally fucked in that match. Don Fry, not so much. Not going to lie. Not so much. Uh, but yeah, I just needed to be reminded of him again and how awesome he was and how he's a big dude. He is a big fucking dude. And I don't know if if he had – he's just – I'll say it. He's an odd-looking dude, isn't he? Like He's an odd-looking dude with the bleached hair and everything being just – like it just looked like things looked bigger than his body could handle at, at certain points, you know. Um, yeah, I know our people have said it before, but facially, yes. and I guess to some extent with his, his uh, physically, he reminds me of Yotosuji. They've got a similar face, haven't they? Bit, yeah, a bit, yeah. And he's, yeah, I, I get you. He's got like a really powerful aura about him, and he's like he's quite slow. But very purposeful, like with his big heavy kicks, big boots, and like the way he bellows, it just adds weight to it. He's like, yeah, very physically imposing. It kind of reminds me of like old SNK fighting game bosses. Anyone who's played those, people like Rugal or, or Krauser. Um, or <laughs> as, as looking at him, it reminded me of Ashley Schaefer from Eastbound and Down. <laughs> that was the greatest. <laughs> that was the greatest. My plums. <laughs> Could you feel the tension in the air in this G1 match? It's getting all swollen with a light hue to them. Fresh and juicy. Ready for picking. Uh, I swear, now I'll never be able to see that and, and not think of, of, of Takayama. I, originally, I mean, I definitely got the flair vibes from him, right? That character. I definitely got the flair vibes. Uh, but yeah. That, that that is a good, that is a good call by you with the with the with the uh, the bleached hair absolutely. Uh, yeah, what you think? I, what you just, think there's something weird like the the juxtaposition of 
this really sort of majestic, long, you know, platinum flowing locks, but this big fucking violent dude who's going to kick your head in. There's just there's something about that that just makes you kind of uneasy, but really works in the context of like prize fighting or, or wrestling. I think we need more wrestlers, particularly in New Japan with long platinum blonde hair. Yeah, he's a colossus. You know what I mean? Like he's he's fucking. If he hits you, yeah. you you're going to get fucking tossed. But you can find a way to get around. You know what I mean? He's a fucking colossus. Is 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 uh, merging the worlds right now? He's a colossus. Was it just me when I started watching this? Right at the start of the match, the camera zoomed straight in on Kensuke Sasaki's dick. Did you notice that as well? <laughs> Did not. No. How was it? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I always enjoy that. Uh, yeah, so you asked me what I thought of the match. Like, I, I will always enjoy two big lads kicking seven shades of shit out of each other. And maybe it's something we're missing in New Japan these days with Shibata not wrestling. I, I guess, you know, who who's the best kicker in New Japan these days? It's someone like Kento or maybe maybe even Taichi. Ibushi's got nice kicks on him. But, yeah, I think we're, we're missing that here. But this match, like, you got... All your favourites, you know, chops, forearms, lariats, big boots, all of it's getting no sold. It, it's it's pro-rest comfort food, isn't it, Damon? Yeah. And, yeah. like, the, the little string of drool from Takayama's mouth. Um, Sasaki's great. He's got a great crowd connection. Really charismatic. Gets the crowd fired up. Um, and, you know, he's a big man. But seeing him basically get manhandled in the end by Takayama was really impressive. And, yeah, it's made me want to see some more Takayama. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe we do that. Get back, get get some more of him because he he. I don't know. There's something about him that I really enjoy. And again, I'm I'm glad I picked it because um, it opened up that Pandora's box for more stuff from him. So let's 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 think about adding him in to the mix uh, when we do some more of these. All right, let's move on to our final match then, which I picked, and it is the World Tag League 2016 final. With Great Bashil, Togibakabe, Tomwaki Homa versus Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga Tangaloa, December 10th, 2016. So let me get the context for you to set the scene for this wonderful match. So, Makabe, uh, oh, let me go back here. So, um, some information about Honma. So, Tomwaki Homa had New Japan's tryout when he was in high school, didn't pass, but started training at Animal Hamaguchi's gym. Joined Big Japan in 97, so he was a deathmatch wrestler. Left Big Japan, appeared on All Japan as a freelancer. He was offered to fill in the undercard because All Japan had lost uh, a lot of wrestlers there, like Misawa Kobashi, Akiyama at the time. So he joined All Japan officially, but left in 2006, and then appeared on New Japan the next year as a member of GBH. And in 2009, Makabe was betrayed by Yano, and the rest of the members of GBH joined the new faction Chaos, but only Honma stayed with Makabe. So he became Makabe's tag partner and always supported Makabe wherever they went. And Honma has actually challenged for the Intercontinental title at Korakuen at the end of 2011. I think it was against Masato Tanaka. And in 2012, he was fired due to a private matter, but returned to New Japan in 2013. And in 2014, he entered the G1 for the first time because Ibushi was injured just before the G1 started. And although he lost all his matches, he was able to enter the G1 in 2015 too. Uh, Makame and Honma faced Naito and Evil at the World Tag League 2015 final. And they won the IWGP tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom 10, lost them to GOD at Invasion Attack 2016. So the World Tag League final in 2016 
was the rematch. So I went back to listen to an old episode of the New Japan Puracast from... Oh. If you want to listen to this one. Hold on a second. For some reason, Mally just decided to come in, leave the door wide open, and then walk out again. So we're probably picking up noise from her Thai TV drama. So I'm just going to close the door. I mean, two right. seconds. Oh, I'm right. talking. Might be able to hear me still. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> How inconvenient. Mm. Right, I'm back. So... This episode of New Japan Purocast was really interesting. Little sort of time capsule thing. Even though it was you know, only about three and a half years ago, uh, you talked about your quest to buy Liger's gear. There's talk about Billy Gunn and Yoshitatsu versus Chase Owens and Bone Soldier. There's a bit of prognostication about Hinare's future. Uh, there's a Brian Breaker and Lilan Race versus War Machine match that you got hot takes on. So I thought it was interesting coming at this match from. December 2016 perspective and a May 2020 perspective because the expectations are different here because you know I, I don't think this is any kind of blow away like match of the year or a classic tag match or anything like that it's, it's got its flaws but I think it's arguably both team best match so I wanted to focus on what I think worked well as compared to these teams or wrestlers recent output because you know gorillas of destiny are a team that a lot of people hand wave and you know the matches are sometimes well, quite often underwhelming so when you you take the the next three years of their output and then compare it to this one i think you look upon this match more favorably because at the time you and colin were like yeah this match is all right you know pretty good decent main event but uh you know sh- you, you were talking about uh, should Gorillas of Destiny be put in this position when they're still quite green as a tag team? You're saying, you know, these guys are the champions. They should be doing better than this. And you're saying, well, you know, hopefully they've turned a corner now and hopefully they're going to improve, which given the years wow. that followed, may- maybe that's not the case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to talk about what I liked about this match um, as someone who's coming back to view it historically. Um, I always like the face paint for Gorillas of Destiny. And I thought here they looked menacing, they looked intense, even though they're getting no reaction from the crowd. And this match clicked with me because I thought McAvoy was a really good, like, defiant baby face in peril. I thought he had good chemistry with Tamatonga. I love them screaming and swearing at each other. Crowds absolutely love GBH. They were really desperate them to win. And it just seemed to me that Gorillas of Destiny were more dynamic here than they are usually. Like, they, they're moving faster, they seem more aggressive. Like obviously Homer's able to move better too and then we got the, the table Chekhov's table established early on so there's that sense of danger and then we, you eventually get the double power bomb spot looks brutal you think Homer's finished and then you get Makabe trying to survive the repeated magic killers and it, it made Gorilla's of Destiny look like a, a well-oiled ruthless violent machine that are going to systematically separate and destroy each part of their opposition and I thought there was some creative if not the best executed spots there was a bit like with a, a gun stun from Maccabee's King Kong knee drop which was a, a little bit sloppy because Maccabee looked like he was about to fall off the top rope but I thought the, the way the camera caught it was pretty good and I just enjoyed Tamatonga when he's fired up he's screaming like yeah fuck this and, and I missed that passion from him because you don't seem to get that so much these days and then like finally when you know Maccabee he can't possibly kick out anymore then Honma makes a big save and I just thought it was laid out really well he the way he appears from off screen and Honma he just shows real heart as he, he keeps clutching Tango Loa's leg to save Maccabee and they build up these moments of real drama that you know it could be the finish like the Maccabee powerbomb 
Homer setting himself up for the Super Kokeshi. Crowder with him every second, and then Tamatonga makes the save. So you get these little dramatic peaks and that, that tease and build on each other and escalate. And then finally you get the big spot, the Doomsday Kokeshi. Tanga lands on his head, which looked really brutal. And then they layer the finishes on top of each other. So you've got the Super Kokeshi, King Kong knee drop after that. So like you know Tangaloa is not kicking out of this. So I thought it was very satisfying. And, and you know, not the greatest tag match in the world. A bit sloppy at times. Uh, you know, the crowd brawling at the start always makes me switch off a bit. But I, I think this might be both teams' best match. So going back when you rewatched it, did your opinions on it change at all? I mean, it <sighs> It did a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. Truth be told, going into this, I couldn't believe I was sitting here in a pandemic going back and watching, you know, uh, Makabe and, and Holma against G.O.D. I never thought that would be a, in my future, but here we are. Um, no, it's not a bad match. And I, and, if, and, and I didn't go back and listen to what I said back in the day, but... I can't imagine it being too far off of it was a good match. Um, and it was a, a, a solid ending to a tournament that we wanted it to end as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, I don't th- I don't think anybody was 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 doing cartwheels over that that World Tag League. Um, I would like the fact that Makabe and, and Honma did get the win. You know, he gets the the finally gets gets uh, a, you know the check box next to the W. Match was good. I don't know if it's the best God match I've ever seen. But Can you name a better one off the top. That's of your what head? I was going to say. I don't know if I could instantly be like that one was better, right? Um. So maybe it is, and I, and I think everything that you put put into it, making it great, having that the you know, the the people really wanting Makabe and Honmo to win. I do like the hustle of God. It does seem like a little bit of that fire. I'm having a hard time remembering seeing that in recent years. I say it's in the top three, and I don't know if I can sit here and be like, a, and and say, yep, that that match definitely beats it. That's that's far and away the best God match, right? That you could do with other wrestlers. So you have an argument that this is their best one. Uh, again, I I think top three is an easy call. But I don't. I think you, we're, we're grading this though on a scale that uh, that you know, like overall, this is not a great match, right? No, it's not. We, yeah, I'm definitely grading it on a curve. But I just thought it was an interesting one to go back and look at. And again, listening to your guys' takes on it from the time has kind of skewed my perspective on it now because now it makes me you know kind of disappointed that god couldn't actually produce anything immediately noticeably better than this right right 
that's that's and that's obviously right? disappointed Esther because she's crying now. Uh, the, you yeah. know the wasted potential of Garuda's destiny. I know. Listen, I think the big question is, how did I sound? Did I sound good? Could you tell uh, I was going to be a star? You, you, I think your audio quality has definitely improved. I don't know if you've got some new gear since then. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I probably did. But yeah, you know, I, I definitely honestly, did. listening to it, you know, it made me miss Colin. And I do miss the I, new I, I, podcast. Ah, uh, well, listen, uh, I talked to uh, Colin texts me. Colin texts me. Um, uh, but usually it's it's never wrestling related. Never wrestling related when Colin texts me. Um, it's let me see. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I have my phone. I don't even know what the fuck we talk. But and it's usually like two things. It's like text exchange, text exchange, boom, boom, boom. Um, Do you think he listens to TBJ Cast? No, he never mentions it. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't think he watches a lot of pro wrestling. Period. Um, because he, I know when I was in Japan, he asked if I was in Japan, and he had mentioned he was going to watch a, a Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and he and he and he was impressed with it. So I, so I'm I'm pretty certain he saw um, that. I mean, in typical Colin fashion, Joel, uh, he's very excited about Jesse Ventura and the uh, <laughs> and the uh, idea of of Jesse. Uh, being a part of the was it the Green Party? Is it very excited about that? We know uh, we know uh, Khan is a massive Jesse Ventura fan, uh, and he also let me know that I just want to. This is an actual text. Uh, I just want to let you know that my phone autocorrects salmon, the fish, as Damon. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> right, so that's the kind of stuff. That's that's our exchanges. Uh, yeah. So we were uh, we were both pretty. Uh, we texted a lot when we um, we were both excited about the idea of uh, Andrew Yang. Um, so we both had a little bit of uh, exchanges back and forth when it came to that. Um, and then we talked like hair metal bands, like just randomly. He'll just send me like a you know Poison Cry Tough. That was kind of like Colin and I song. That was our song, Poison Cry Tough. Because uh, it's fucking awesome. We would just and Van Halen, uh, old Van Halen stuff. So yeah, Colin's a great dude. I miss. Uh, I you know I only saw Colin in the flesh twice. Twice. We met up in Las Vegas for that Ring of Honor New Japan show, and then the first time I met him was at uh, Hammerstein for that Ring of Honor. He had an extra ticket. I only, I only met him twice. So uh, here you go. All How right, times um, three times. Yeah, you, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, two times in Tokyo, one time in New York. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. you beat him. You beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, you guys had great chemistry. It's so fun to listen to. Um, and I'm always like, you know, because you know, I'm like your current girlfriend who's a bit sort of paranoid and insecure about the ex-girlfriend and sort of Aww. comparing myself and thinking, oh, <laughs> am I good enough? Or is he secretly pining after the ex? <laughs> no, I think that this, this is not me fishing for validation. This is me being honest you're... and you know sharing my insecurities with you and the listener because they were very, very big boots to fill. And you know, I'm not expecting, I don't want anyone directly comparing us no. because I, I think we're putting out a different product to what the New Japan Purocast was. 
but I, I think was, yeah, a really yeah. really big fan of even just going back and listening to just this random show where you're talking about the World Tag League it was just a lot of fun. I appreciate that, and I know he 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 does too. And again, I think it's a, a little bit of a different show. I think a lot of the elements are the same. I think a little bit different, but here again, the, the thing is, is that I think that it went as far as it could go. Um, and trust me, podcasting burnout is a real fucking thing, right? It's a real thing. And I just Colin wanted to do other things in his life. You know, he was in the in the process of of moving and. Uh, jobs and all kinds of stuff. And it was just, and I gotta be honest with you, one of the things that bothered him, and I don't want to speak for him, but um, like one of the things was, you know, just a lot of that interaction that, that you do very well that, you know, neither of us wanted to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we just didn't want to do that. Um, so again, I just think that for 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 this show, I think that you you've been able to take it to a place that it would never have been able to go. Um, you know that I, I told you that flat out. I, th- I said I appreciate the, f- the like what you bring to this show is 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 awesome. <laughs> it's babies you know, crying in the background. <laughs> cat invasions. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, here's the, again, it was more of the first time I talked to you. I was like, all right, well, let's just. You know, get get together and, and talk and just see if we can hit hit it off. And we did. You know what I mean? Like that was important to me. Like, like, like if 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 that didn't work, if that phone call didn't work, that conversation didn't work, then pff, this wouldn't have happened. But even from the gate, I was like, oh my god, a guy's smart. Like I gotta be honest. I was, you know, I remember talking to Cheryl about it, and and I was like, yeah, he seems really smart, much smarter than me. He's might be, he might, he's, he's gonna find out really what how much of a fucking dope I'm I am. Not. It's that accent. Uh, and it, well, it's, okay, it's it is. I, I mean, but it, that it adds, it adds a certain layer of polish. Uh, but but again, I think I, I've always said I appreciated everything that Colin did, and Colin, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Super JK. We gotta think about the Super JK's Hall of Fame too, by the way, sometime. Um <laughs> that that nonsense. <laughs> that useless thing. <laughs> we gotta do that. We gotta come up with the we gotta come up with new rounds sometime. So uh I have some ideas for that as well. All right, uh can we wrap it up? I gotta get to work uh soon. Yeah, uh, no questions. I don't, I don't, talk. I don't give a shit. Um okay, redcircle.com forward slash uh, forward slash super dash day dash cast if you would like to give us some money for this great content that we give you for free each and every week. Uh, Discord link is in the show notes if you want to join in all the fun topics and discussions there. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast if you want to buy one of our t-shirts. Massive thanks as always to Editor Dan. You can uh, find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.